Hey, Gothamites, just a spoiler warning ahead of this interview. It does contain pieces of the episode Nothing's Shocking. Uh, that's Gotham Season 5, Episode 8. Make sure you've watched that episode. It aired on February 28th uh, on Fox TV in the US. So make sure you've watched that episode before you continue any further. I mean it. Big spoilers. Hey there. This is Andrew Sellen, Mr. Penn, and the Ventriloquist on Gotham. And this is Scarface. And you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Yeah, yeah. And you better keep listening, you hear? Welcome back, Gothamites. Another very special interview with one of our favorite characters from Gotham. Can I say it this way? It's the return of Andrew Sellen. Welcome back, Andrew. (laughs) Thank you. I like that. Very (laughs) nice to be back, Derek. I am sure many of our Gothamite friends who've just watched this evening's episode have realized you're back on Gotham. Uh, If they missed the photographs a couple of weeks ago that were released... Uh, of the return of Mr. Penn to Gotham. Uh, they are certainly aware of your return to the show now. Welcome back. Yes, thank you. There's there's quite a story behind my return, and that's why we're here, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Just to fill in our fellow Gothamites, our, our fellow listeners, I originally reached out to Andrew back at the end of December of 2018 when I'd seen his episode, what I thought was the final episode uh, that we would be seeing Mr. Penn. I'd wanted to speak to Andrew quite a few times uh, about his time on the show because the character is kind of hit a chord with a lot of uh, a lot of our, our listeners and a lot of our uh, fellow Gothamites. Um, so I wasn't aware that the character was coming back uh, when Andrew agreed to come on board for an interview. And Andrew, of course, couldn't speak about future episodes of the show because we never want to spoil anything for our, our fellow fans that are out there. But now that it's all out there, it's great we can have a second part to our interview. So uh, really good of you to join us again, Andrew. You know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be back. And, and yes, let's face it, everything that, that has happened has been about and for our fans. Exactly. The amazing Gotham fans. So, yeah, I do have to apologize. That <laughs> it was it was kind of funny going in the first interview. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to say about this? Because I know what I can't say about this. So I tried to be on my best behavior, be as fair as I could be mm-hmm. while while not giving it away. Because when this all happened, and we'll, we'll talk about just what a miracle this really was that mm-hmm. this episode happened at all. Uh, yeah, I remember talking to to Tom, our our day to day producer uh, in season five, and we just said, you know what? We looked at each other. It's like we've already told fans that this isn't happening. Yeah, uh, because we really believed that there was not time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as bummed as I was about that, we thought that news is already out there. And we thought, but now it is happening. Yeah, <laughs> and it could be kind of fun to keep this as a as a little surprise treat because let's face it this is all about what else could we fit in to these these two extra episodes that would really really thrill the fans mm-hmm. and and happily ventriloquist and scarface was one of those things so good yeah so good to see them back um, I quickly i want to start off by asking you what was the reaction after 503 aired because we spoke to you just before it aired we didn't know what the reaction was going to be from the fans how, how much have they reached out to you? How, what was the the uh, reaction from them? Yeah. Oh my gosh, Derek, it was overwhelming. It really was. It was. There were there were things that that I you know I had tears in my eyes, which may sound silly, but you know I love Mr. Penn too. Uh, and and the thing for fans to keep in mind is that when we shot episode five hundred three, as far as I knew, that was the end of Mr. Penn. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really hard for me to. Everything I said in that first interview was true. It was really hard for me to leave Gotham. Yeah, uh, and I was pretty devastated about that because I felt that there was so much more story to tell, and that Mr. Penn could have contributed to that story. 
Um, and yes, I had hoped and been campaigning for a little while behind the scenes uh, that he would have turned into ventriloquist and that all seemed to be gone. Yeah. So for the fan outpouring of support to be like, hey, I can't believe they just killed Mr. Penn. Uh, and then B, we are really going to miss Mr. Penn. Uh, and the fact that my death moved some people to tears moved me. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. that's as actors, that's what we we hope to do. We go out there and hope to connect with the audience. And and I'm I'm beyond grateful that that happened. Yeah, and I think it was just one of those big surprising moments in Gotham, as we talked about last time, that uh, nobody was expecting it uh, at this time in the show to have another loss of a character from the show, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I'm delighted that, that you've had that kind of reaction from fans as well, as we as we discussed before. And obviously, hey, you're back. So you've got another <laughs> side of a reaction from the fans over the last few weeks as well. I, I know it's it's been quite the ride. I mean, after after my uh, my untimely death, there was also all this wonderful additional fan art that mm -hmm. started coming out as tributes, which really was so fantastic. I absolutely love seeing the fan art of of Mr. Penn, but now it's like, oh wait, we're starting to get fan art of me and Scarface, mm -hmm. and it's so it's like a whole nother round of of cool is happening now currently. And I, I hope there'll be lots more of that because, let's face it, Ventriloquist and Scarface are pretty wild. Yes, they are, yes. <laughs> and it's fascinating. We've been rereading uh, No Man's Land quite recently, and, and Scarface is a bit of a player in, in the actual book of No Man's Land as well. So uh, it was really exciting to see. I think one of the one of the images that's been shared most often of yourself and, Scarf and Mr. Scarface uh, beside mm -hmm. each other is uh, all often compared to an image from uh, from No Man's Land as well uh, of the of the puppet and of the of the actual character of Mr. Scarface as well. So um, so let's yeah. get into talking about how this all came about, Andrew, if that's mm -hmm. all right. So obviously, the big thing that our, our fellow Gothamites know is that this season came about pretty much because of the amount of fan reaction to the show getting cancelled at the end of season four. There was always a plan for the series to continue, but the reaction from fans lobbying with Fox to get more episodes uh, had led to a final fifth season. A lot of thanks go out to them from all of the cast quite often, but they, yeah. they approved 10 episodes for the season, which we all know went into production last year. And I mm -hmm. suppose there was a quite a, a wonderful piece of news that they allowed an extra two episodes to go out. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of, uh, I mean, no one quite saw this coming. Mm -hmm. uh, when, Fox originally, you know, sort of tried to cancel us and Warner Brothers pushed back and said, don't do that. They only gave us the 10, which left us two episodes shy of hitting the 100 episode syndication mark. Mm -hmm. So the producers had continued campaigning with Fox to at least get those two additional episodes. Yeah. But in terms of a timeline, when it actually happened, when the order for those two additional episodes came out, it was already towards the end of October and almost everything for the 10 episodes was already in the can. Right. Right. Wow. You know, that's, that's the irony. Uh, so on the one hand, yes, they were thrilled to get the, the two additional episodes, but then they had to say, okay, well, these two additional episodes can't be episodes like 11 and 12 plot wise, because we've already filmed the end. We've of already course. done all of that. Yeah. So they had to come up with, ideas for storylines that would be a little more self-contained and that could be sort of fit in earlier within the 12, 12 episode season. Mm -hmm. And, um, I got a lot of support from, from my, my friend Shelby Coppola, who was Tom's, uh, producer, Tom's assistant. And also she was Scott White's assistant, uh, on season four. Right. Uh, 
Shelby's a, a wonderful screenwriter in her own right, but she also was a terrific uh, assistant to them and a terrific friend to me. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened, it was it timeline of this was uh, late October. Uh, my husband and I had just gotten back from our two week uh, 25th anniversary trip to Ireland. Yes. And I touched base with Shelby, one of the first things, because we've become friends. Uh, and she happened to mention that, well, while you were gone, you know, this this just hit. Uh, and it's in order for two more episodes. And she said in the writer's room and the producers are trying to figure out what on earth they're going to do with those two episodes. Mm -hmm. And I sort of went away with that thought in my head. And what Shelby knew, uh, but nobody else knew, is that, you know, basically once I got the news that I was going to get killed off, Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, but I don't want to die. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> what can I do to address this? <laughs> um, and so I had, since I'm starting to do some screenwriting on my own, I had started drafting a little sample scene as to how it might be possible to bring Mr. Penn back and morph him into ventriloquist, or at least give a little hint of it. And I was pulling somewhat from the storylines, uh, the Arnold Wesker storylines, mm -hmm. you know, in the draft that I was working on. And I showed it to Shelby. And it's like, she was like, you know, this is a really great idea. Yeah. And it was just a single scene, something I just thought if only we could give a gesture of it. And then I got the script for 503 and I learned how and where I was going to die. And I, I had to throw that whole first scene out entirely. Right. right. And I wrote another little sample scene. It, 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 let's face it. It was kind of just to make myself feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's not because really dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had this hope of, okay, I'm somehow going to put this in front of producers, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever I was telling myself. But I, I crafted a scene that came out of uh, what happened in 503. Right. So in my rewrite, I had Mr. Penn waking up in the uh, the, the little infirmary in the green zone. Mm -hmm. And who is standing at the foot of his bed, but... Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock, who've looked into the medical records and realized that he is actually Arnold Wesker. Yes. <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. And there happens to be, you know, an old vaudevillian lying in the hospital bed next to me who was dying and his dummy was sitting there in the chair with his back turned to me, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I was basically trying to paint a little three minute scene on an existing set with just three characters to make it as quick and easy and affordable. Yeah. to make happen as possible. Excellent. And I thought, all I need is the chance to put this in front of them. Mm -hmm. And so that had already been there, and it was sitting there in, in the back of my brain and on my computer. But nothing had happened, and I had to go through and film and die and say goodbye and all that stuff, and I was just like, oh, boy. Yeah. But when I got the news, when Shelby happened to mention the two additional episodes, you know, I, Derek, I sat there and I thought, oh, and there's something else you need to know. Mm -hmm. Since I I knew ventriloquist wasn't going to happen when I was shooting 503, or believed that to be the case, mm -hmm. um, this is you know me being crazy. I have my own little ventriloquist dummy whose name is Danny. Yes, yeah. And so I snuck him into the studio one day in the duffel bag. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, and uh, so I had him in my dressing room with me mm -hmm. for shooting, which was comforting to me. And I also took a couple of pictures of Mr. Penn holding my little Danny ventriloquist doll. And I thought, if nothing else, when all is said and done, after episode 503 airs, I can float one of these little pictures and say, look, I know this didn't happen, but this is what wouldn't I it be great? And I wanted to send you something, some image of what it might have looked like. Yeah, yeah. 
And so, so all of that's backstory to the fact that when I got the news of the two episodes, I literally thought, I'm already dead. What have I got to lose? Yeah. So <laughs> I reached out to uh, exec producer and showrunner John Stevens, who is an absolute sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And I sent him, which is, you know, oh, what a crazy thing to do. But I sent him my little infirmary three-minute scene script, and I sent him one of the little photos of me holding my ventriloquist doll. And I said, John, I've heard about the, the two new episodes and I know that you've got to have pretty much wrapped up the, the main plots mm-hmm. with 10 episodes. And you probably have heard from one avenue or another by now that I actually am a ventriloquist. Some things are just meant to be. <laughs> and I got the sweetest note back from John uh, saying, uh, you know, thank you so much for, for your note and your, and your attachments. And all I can say right now is that, yes, the ventriloquist is back on the table. Wow. Fantastic. And so I was, I was like, my husband was like, you're crazy. I can't believe you did that. I, was like, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> nothing ventured, uh, nothing gained, Andrew, you know. Exactly right. <laughs> you know, the old phrase, fortune favors the bold. And exactly. being an introvert, I'm rarely bold. Mm-hmm. But I just honestly felt that this was something that was meant to be the, the, the stars that aligned it just, however, whatever metaphor you want to use, it just seemed inevitable to me. Yeah, yeah. And it felt so wrong physically when it wasn't happening. When I thought it wasn't happening, I was like, this isn't the end of the story. It can't be. Right. Right. And so I got that nice note back from John and I thought, okay, I'm not going to breathe until I hear from these people again. Uh-huh. And I did very little breathing for the next two days. <laughs> don't try that at home, Gothamites. Exactly very important right. to breathe. Don't, really don't recommend it as a health regimen. <laughs> um, and then I got an email, and quite immediately after that, I got a call from my agent's office saying, this is incredible. We just got an offer for another episode. Fantastic. <laughs> and I just said, and I'll tell you why we just got that offer when mm-hmm. I have time to really sit and calm down again. Yeah. Um, and I may actually have like jumped up and down and shouted and, and hollered and, and, and done inappropriate, you know, <laughs> celebratory things at that moment. Um, cause really I, I, I had wanted it for so long mm-hmm. and then it looked like it was simply not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I had as a professional, I had to accept their decision and I understood why ventriloquist was cut. I understood all of the, the reasons. Mm hmm. But it just felt wrong in the core of my being. That's so, and so good. This come through, you know. I just I wrote back to John right away, and I said, "John, I am over the moon." And he wrote back, and he said, "It's going to be fun." Yeah, absolutely. And how long from the point when they uh, when they kind of reached back out to you? How long from that point to when you were back on set and back doing the scenes? I suppose well, getting ready the for them. Scene. Yeah, Derek, the thing is how fast this happened mm-hmm. because they they already had a rap date in mind and all these other things. You know, they already had planned the party. Everything was planned as if it was 10 episodes. Yeah. So Shelby and a lot of other people had to do a lot of, of rescheduling, reworking to make things uh, adjust for these two additional episodes. And I think it was maybe a couple of weeks later that we sat down for the table read. Wow. Uh, it, everything, I mean, it, it had to happen fast because there was still a deadline. Things had to happen, uh, as, as early into, or as, you know, 
I think they wanted to wrap by the end of November into early December. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, they really, really had to just, everybody had to jump on it. And Seth Boston, uh, terrific screenwriter mm-hmm. who also gave me the onesie episode last year. Yes, I mean, of course. Yes. <laughs> grand fellow. Um, so he had to come up with, with that script, you know, he, he got his marching orders for, for what might happen in the episode. Mm-hmm. And he had to come up with this script super fast. And, I mean, fans have seen it now. He knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and not just my plot line, but all three plot lines. You know, we, we were the comic plot line. The other two were the serious plot lines. But yeah. all three of them really gave everybody a chance to to dig into something. Mm-hmm. It must be such a temptation when you bring people back for additional episodes to kind of want to work every single person into the plot to give everybody something else to do as well. So uh, great to be able to fit uh, Scarface in there, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. And they did it really creatively because, you know, my suggestion was just a little three minute scene just to give a hint of how Mr. Penn and, and Scarface might have first met mm-hmm. and, and just leave it at that, you know, just a little gesture. And as people know now, no, they gave me the whole episode. They yeah. they let me actually be ventriloquist and Scarface. So good. So good. Yeah, so definitely going yeah. on your CV now, right? Oh, it's there already. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And t- can we talk about Scarface the puppet as well? The actual, uh, the oh, actual yeah. character? Yeah. I should tell you a couple of things, though, about uh, before we get to him, because mm-hmm. there were things about the table read that were that were fun, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it did have to happen fast, but it was funny. There was there was still some hesitation uh, on the production end. Even after they'd committed to it, I think they were like, what did we just commit to doing? Uh-huh. This is supposed to be a ventriloquist. We have a dummy and we don't have a dummy. And, you know, what are we going to do? And uh, I, I got a little text from Shelby at one point. She's like, I'm in another production meeting where they don't quite believe you're a ventriloquist and I'm going to tear my hair out. <laughs> uh, and bless her heart, she finally just said to them, look, he really is. If you don't believe him, have him come in with his dummy and he'll show you. There you go. Yes. <laughs> and so I got a little message from from Adam, second AD, uh, saying, hey, you know, so great you're coming back. And, you know, the table read is such and such a date and time. Any chance you could come in a couple of hours earlier and meet with the director and bring your little friend. Mm-hmm. And so I said, absolutely. And I, you know, this I packed Danny up and this time he actually got to meet people, which was <laughs> which was great. Excellent. Uh, you know, so there I was in the table read room before anyone else got there with um with Ken Fink, the fabulous director, mm-hmm. he did such an amazing job with this episode. You know, so I'm there I'm, I'm holding a conversation with me and my little friend Danny and, and other people coming up. And it was, you know, it was all improv. So I just answered whatever questions people threw my way and, and responded. And so did Danny. And, you know, I think everybody in the room started to breathe when they realized that this, not only could this happen, but they weren't going to have to spend their time dubbing. Brilliant. Yes. Very important. <laughs> I think from a technical level, they were like, oh, holy crap, he actually can do this. Hooray. <laughs> um, and then Courtney uh, Schmidt, who was just the most amazing head of props, mm-hmm. uh, she came into the meeting because she wanted to to see about all this, too. And I showed her the mechanism of, of how Danny you know, operated. And I said, this is the kind of mechanism that I'm used to working with. Mm-hmm. It's pretty standard out there now. And so she took Danny away with her to go and start shopping around to figure out what she could do to create Scarface with her team. Uh, so I, unfortunately I didn't have, uh, Danny with me to have 
at the table read. Right. Just sat there next to Robin, and I I read uh, the roles, both roles. Mm-hmm. And as it turned out, Seth Boston, our our, our scriptwriter, was calling in from L.A., so he was just on the conference line, not getting any visuals. So we did the whole read. And we had a great time. We had such a fun time. It was, let's face it, it was totally insane. Of course. <laughs> uh, and everybody was laughing a lot. It was, it was so much fun. Uh, and when we finished everything, people were very excited. And Shelby was like, that was one of the best table reads I've ever been at. Fantastic. <laughs> and Seth Boston, Seth called Shelby on her cell phone while the rest of us were still in the room talking. talking and he said, that went so well, but who did you get to read Scarface? He sounded perfect. And Shelby said, that was Andrew. <laughs> and he was like, oh, we're good. Perfect, yeah. You know, so it was, it was that to me was what sealed the deal. It's like, okay, if the screenwriter heard his script over the phone mm-hmm. and didn't even realize it was me, we're in a good place. Excellent, excellent. And obviously, you know, a question that I'm, I'm sure some of our, our listeners will want to know is, how long have you been a ventriloquist? How long have you had you trained over the years as well? Well, yeah, that's the thing. And, I, and I, you know, it's, it's ironic, the things that come back. It's like in a Dickens thing, characters that come back later on in a novel – when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, I'm of an age where as a as a teenager, the, the, the really cool things included playing chess because of Bobby Fischer. Right. So I, I grew up in a time where like every little boy in, in middle school, especially uh, had a, a portable chess set under his arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, magic was cool because of Doug Henning. So I was also a magician. Right. And I was actually a professional magician uh, and managed a magic store while I was in college. Right. And. and ventriloquism and so i had a little danny o'day back then Mm -hmm. didn't even have moving eyes or anything very very simple you know kids version a friend of mine had the charlie mccarthy doll and we would you know practice together and stuff like that and you learned it from an lp yeah yeah you know uh, it's kind of crazy to think about but yeah we were uh learning how to do these things because there are certain consonants and things that because of the whole thing of not moving your lips, well, try doing a plosive without moving your lips, like P or B. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why Arnold Wesker had trouble with the B, because it's a plosive and you can't do them without closing your lips and then opening them to make the sound. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn the technique for basically faking certain consonants. Yes, yes. And so I did all that, and I did it mostly for fun, and I did a little ventriloquism in some of my magic shows as a teenager and stuff, and you know it pretty much went away. When I first came to Manhattan, it was on my resume, Yeah. Uh, but I think I mentioned in the last interview, uh, I was a non-union actor at that time, and I got a couple of auditions where they wanted a ventriloquist, and I went in, and they just wanted a ventriloquist doll that talked dirty. Right, right. And I was so sort of appalled by that, that I took ventriloquism and magic off my resume. Okay. Interesting. And they were not, that's the great irony. They were not on my resume when I auditioned for Gotham. Mm -hmm. So I did start telling them, and this is another shout out to fans. Another thing to keep in mind is it was when fans contacted me on Twitter and said, Oh, Mr. Penn, he looks like the ventriloquist. Is he going to turn into a ventriloquist? And that's when I went and looked him up. I had never heard of the ventriloquist. Right, right. Um, 
So big shout out to the fans for go. communicating these things yeah. because we don't know everything. You know, the actors, those of us who come into this world, we don't necessarily come in with a full knowledge uh, of everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think we've spoke with uh, Francesca Rudotson, um, who's playing mm -hmm. Echo a great on the show. Episode. Yeah, listen yeah. to that. And she was saying when she went onto the show, she went in for the role for a day and had absolutely no idea that... By this time, you know, a year later, she's being called Gotham's version of Harley Quinn. You know, there's there's no way that anybody would know going into the show in those in these roles that that's that's where they're going. So, yeah, totally yeah. understand. Yeah, that's right. And I don't I've never actually asked John. I'll have to ask him the next time I see him. I don't know if when they hired me for Mr. Penny, if any of them had it in the back of their heads. He, he might kind of look like the ventriloquist. Mm. I don't know. All I know is initially, just like Francesca said for her, for me, it was originally one episode and it just expanded and expanded and expanded. And then fans told me about Ventriloquist and I went on eBay, bought myself a new Danny with mm -hmm. moving eyes and started working with him a little bit here and there. And I started sort of quietly trying to campaign within the production staff to say, hey, maybe this could actually happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant that it has. Absolutely brilliant that it has. Yeah, yeah, um, you you just never know. But if you don't try, absolutely, that's the lesson here. You don't know unless you try. Exactly, exactly. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the scenes that you shot uh, for for this episode. Like you know, seven episodes later, really, or eight episodes after your last appearance on the show. So a couple of months since you've been back on set. Um, good to be back with with your regular cast members, I guess. Oh, amazing, amazing. Um, but I, I should probably tell you a little bit about creating Scarface first. Sure, yeah. Because uh, fans have been asking, yeah. like, what's he made of? How did he get made? Where did they get him? All this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and Courtney Schmidt and her amazing props team, they are such all-stars. Because they had two weeks to come up with Scarface, and that's not exactly something you can go on Amazon Prime and order. Absolutely, yeah. You know? So she did a lot of looking around, and she... As I said, she she took Danny, my 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 dummy, so she she knew the kind of mechanism she was looking for, uh, but she really had to go out there and say, what can we do? What might be close to Scarface? And there really, of course, there's nothing like Scarface that you're gonna find out there ready made. Yeah, absolutely. So what she ended up doing was buying uh, a fairly high end dummy mm -hmm. from somebody down, I think, in Florida who was just selling off, you know, a, a dummy he wasn't using anymore. Yeah. Uh, but he had the right kind of mechanism uh, inside, all that sort of thing. He didn't have everything we wanted. Uh, Ken, the director, was was very eager to have uh, eyebrows that went up and down and eyelids that closed and opened. Right. And that wasn't possible. In the, in the space of time that was available to us, it simply wasn't physically possible to make everything happen. Mm-hmm. But what they did is Courtney ordered this dummy and a member of her team did this amazing sculpting, sculpting clay on top of the existing face. Right. And then made it look like it was wood. So Scarface is actually a, a ventriloquist's dummy with more face built on top of him in clay. Fantastic. Yes, yes. Uh, and I, you know, you've seen some of the pictures that I post on Instagram, and mm -hmm. people have seen him in action. Now he's gorgeous. Yeah, he absolutely—he looks absolutely perfect. As I said, there's been many comparisons to images from the comic books of of Mr. Wesker and Mr. Scarface beside each other, and your your version from the show as well. Uh, amazing how close they got it, considering you know the two different mediums. Yeah, exactly. And again, it was that sense of let's really go back to the comics and give the fans the flavor of both. 
uh, ventriloquist and Scarface. And I, and I think, you know, without shaving my head, we, we got pretty close to that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's, you know, the, the funny thing about him is that Scarface also, because he was, he's sort of, you know, a, a Frankenstein monster, you know, he's, he's a dummy with a, with an extra face built on top of him, sort of a clay face. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Something to think about. Um, but because of the way he was built, he also ended up weighing about 20 pounds. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was much, much heavier than your average dummy. Mm-hmm. And how, how difficult was that to work with then? Literally, uh, the weight of him, initially I thought, okay, no big deal, no big deal. But when I picked him up on day two of shooting, my neck and my back immediately were like, oh, no, not oh. again. <laughs> <laughs> and they managed uh, our wonderful DP, um, David actually got me a little stand to sort of sit his butt on so that yeah. if if we weren't seeing the lower half of us, I got a little bit of a breather because holding him up for many hours a day was a lot on yeah. one side. Yeah. You know, like if I was going to the gym, I'd have to lift him on the other side for the equal amount of time to build up. Of course. <laughs> uh, you know, so, yeah, he was he was a one of a kind and he's not something that could really travel well or anything like that because of how he ended up being made. But for our purposes, he's a masterpiece. Absolutely. Yeah, and looks looks fantastic as well. So hopefully you'll be getting to see him a couple of times in the future. I'd love to. <laughs> I mean, it makes me sad. Um, I didn't even get a, a Mr. Penn bow tie out of this. Everything yeah. that I had and Scarface, everything went to the Warner Brothers archive. Of course. Yeah. And yeah. all I can think is, you know, I saw the recent Downton Abbey exhibit and I just thought, wouldn't it be incredible if Warner Brothers did a, a Gotham exhibit like that where we saw the costumes and props and things like that from the five years of the show because Absolutely. the artistry is amazing yeah the detail that's involved in the show you know we we often talk about the differences in the dc tv shows and you know the differences obviously the production for the the uh, cw shows is all up in all up in canada all in the same area in vancouver but and the budget that's involved in those is so much different to what's involved in, in a fox show like gotham and it, it's just yeah. They're vastly different shows and vastly different um, attributes put on screen. I can only imagine what it's like up close, the amount of detail that's involved. It's amazing. Derek, I have to tell you, every one of these sets, like, uh, you know, the the new Art Deco set for, for, for Robin, mm -hmm. that's all marbleized. And, of course, it's not marble. Yeah. But you can stand there and look at it right. Just put your face right to it. It is so beautiful. All of the sets are so believable, so real that, it's astonishing to me yeah. the level of artistry for a TV show that they achieved every single time. Excellent, excellent. And yeah. I think I think we did speak about this last time. We'll, we'll talk about Robin now, really, because we did speak about it last time. You know, you were really were saying goodbye at the end of uh, of five hundred three to, to Robin or Taylor, who you'd worked with on nine episodes previously. Um, yeah. And then you get to come back and have another another final moment with him again. Um, yeah. And you get to work yeah. with Corey Michael Smith this time as well, who you hadn't worked with before. At last. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, Corey is such a sweetie. Um, and I don't know if you saw his uh, film 1985, but that is a brilliant movie and a, and a brilliant performance. Haven't seen uh, it yet. It, has, it hasn't actually been released over here yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Oh my gosh. Everyone should see that film. It's an important and beautiful film. Mm -hmm. All the performances, including Corey's, they're, they're simply spot on. It's, yeah. it's, it's really, it's a remarkable film. It should have gotten a lot more attention when it first came out and it deserves 
a long, long life in, in viewer land. It's, it's quite something. So yeah, I was like, I am finally, and I thought, Hey, I already died off. I never got to work with Corey. And now it's like, yes, I get to work with Corey and I got to be back with Robin, which was just the best thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was great when I went back for the, the table read and the, and the, and the dummy meeting. I, of course, went back to the, the dressing room area to, to say hello to a, a bunch of, of the friends there in hair and makeup and everything. And the first person I ran into in the hallway was Robin. <laughs> and, you know, he just lit up like a Christmas tree and he gave me a hug and he said, I told you, no one stays dead in Gotham. There you go. <laughs> and he said, and honey, now you are canon. Yes. And I was like, I know. Isn't this incredible? So good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. And we had so much fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a lot of work because, as I said, you know, there, there are, there are pro ventriloquists who, who, you know, could do this anytime. I, it was something I had done when I was a teenager and I started doing a little bit of it again, just in the faint hope that this might someday happen. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, it was a lot going on on set. Of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and Scarface was, <laughs> somebody asked on, 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 on Instagram, you know, what was Scarface like to work with? <laughs> um, and as you could imagine being Scarface, he was literally a handful. <laughs> um, he was a, he was a hoot and a half and he very definitely had his own personality. Yeah. Uh, but it was, and, and the thing is another thing that people wanted to know is, you know, you know, how much time did you have to, to work with Scarface and stuff like that? And the reality is because it took so long to figure out how to make him and then they had to make his his suit and stuff like that and by the way his suit cost a lot more than my suit <laughs> uh courtney told me and and scarface is a stylish guy his mm-hmm. threads cost about two thousand dollars wow that's fantastic <laughs> and they had a backup suit <laughs> <laughs> you see you, you've got to make sure you take care of the talent you know <laughs> hey and scarface was very particular about his appearance very sensitive about that of course so, of course but it was funny because on the set you know the, the stuff is primarily between me and scarface and robin and cory mm-hmm. but when you've got it's hard to explain you know without the visuals but when when i've got scarface to my side and I'm making him look with my little lever one way. Am I looking at Corey? Am I looking at Robin? And sometimes I would think, oh, he's looking at Robin. And then Ken would be like, no, he's not looking at him. Right. You know, <laughs> so getting getting the eye mechanism right. The reality is I, I had no time to work with him beforehand. They handed me Scarface and I walked on set and we started shooting. Wow. Right. So I learned as I went and he had an extra mechanism that I had not worked with before. He also had a, a little uh, lever to operate his upper lip slightly. Oh, right. Interesting. So I was yeah. learning a new piece of equipment as we were shooting, and it was it was quite the ride. Wow, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, the learning learning on the fly, literally, really. It's, uh, it's very Learning on the job. Yeah, excellent. Uh, it turned out so well, of course. You know, I think everybody would be very proud to have seen the scene. Yeah, everybody everybody seemed really, really happy. You know, everybody else seemed to see it before I did. Right. <laughs> you know, John certainly saw it and when I went back for the, the farewell uh on on the twelfth, uh I ran into John uh behind the scenes mm-hmm. and he said everybody is is super happy. So good. You know, really thrilled. Thanks, thank you for that. And I said, Thank you and he said, Well, it was your suggestion. Right, right. And I thought, Wow. See, and forevermore, that's a, a legacy impact for you on Gotham, really, isn't it? It's it's still blowing my mind. Yeah. It is still, I can't quite believe that it's real. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's it's just fantastic you know as i say this is something that uh we've all wanted uh for such a long time and having it up on screen now as part of a, as part of the 100 episodes of gotham is just fantastic uh delighted it is um, it is it is and ken was just a great director for this episode he is it turns out ken and i really have the same mordant sense of humor mm-hmm. Uh, and he had all these great little visual ideas of things that he really wanted to see happen, like the thing with the, the window blinds, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't easy to do because Scarface's arms are actually floppy and they can't hold down window blinds. So we ended up hang, getting help for that. It was, you know, more was going on there than than people could see on yep. camera. Yep. But uh, it was as everything else with Gotham. This was so much a team effort mm-hmm. that incredible absolutely um, selling the gag How, what was it like playing scarface himself at the character himself coming up with coming up with the voice coming up with the style doing something very different from obviously our mr penn as well well exactly i mean basically the opposite of mr penn mm-hmm. uh and the thing is as a character actor this is kind of what i do yeah it's not unusual for me i, I think i've mentioned in, in a last interview i've done a play called i am my own wife Mm-hmm. where I'm alone on stage for two hours and I play 35 different people, men, women, all different ages and all different nationalities around the world. Uh, I did another show called The 39 Steps where I played everything from literally a crying infant to mm-hmm. an old man and uh, in a crazy Scottish woman in between. I mean, <laughs> I'm used to playing a lot of different people. So that aspect of it was very natural to me. It's it's what I do. And I, I love variety of things. Yeah. And I love accents and dialects. But it was something because I had to voice and operate him at the same time. Oh, and by the way, where is he looking? Yeah. And what's his mouth doing? What are his eyes doing? So it was it was a lot to think about. But as far as the voice, I really tried to just I did. I went on eBay again, and I I got myself the a copy of the first comic that he appeared in, mm-hmm. so that I could see for myself what he looked like at the origin point right. for Triloquist and Scarface. And I thought, okay. And then I realized that he's 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 so much the the uh, black and white film noir movie gangster yeah. that he was very Edward G. Robinson. Right. Uh, uh, to a certain extent. And in the table read, actually, I, I threw in a couple of extra, yeah, yeah, you know, uh-huh. that to me were very Edward G. Robinson, and Seth didn't tell me to stop it, so I kept them. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I kind of just went with that, because I think that would have been appropriate for Mr. Penn. It's like, to channel old movies, I could absolutely see Mr. Penn being a huge fan of old gangster movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would have made perfect sense, I think, for for the Edward G. Robinson type of characters to be something that Mr. Penn would have looked at on screen longingly and gone, how does he have the strength to do that, to command all these people? Yes. And so that's what it became. Uh, You know, this is very much because we are growing out of Mr. Penn, Mr. Penn, who may or may not be Arnold Wesker. We played Mm -hmm. with that in the episode as well. Yeah fleetingly but the bottom line is it's it has to come out of the mr penn we've seen in the nine previous episodes it's not just any meek person it's mr penn and he has very specific things which as i mentioned before include very good manners yes hence the introduction of you know mr cobblepot this is mr scarface Mm -hmm. and the the joy of the scene and where it got a little gleefully psychotic was remaining mr penn 
and then sort of arguing with them or with myself yes. as it went along as Scarface, which was both technically challenging and a heck of a lot of fun. Lots of fun, yes. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm hoping that the fans are are feeling like I did both uh, Ventriloquist and Scarface justice because I can't even put into words how much it meant to me to get to be those two guys. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm, I am certain they'll have enjoyed every moment that you were on screen. I'm sure they're all hoping for more uh, in the future, of course, but uh, to have had it at all is of course, such a reward for, for the, the long time that you've spent the show and the long time the fans have been watching as well. So, yeah, it was, it was it's such a reward for, for all of us for, for hanging in there, I yeah. think. Yeah. And you know, it, yeah, it would be great if it had been possible to, to fit him into more, but the reality is, as I told you, everything else was already shot. Yeah, yeah. So it had to be a self-contained. I think they felt it had to be a self-contained appearance. And my feeling is, it's still Gotham. What's a bullet? I've been shot before. <laughs> so, you know, if someone else is a Gotham project and they need a ventriloquist and Scarface, well, you know, they've got my number. There you go. Exactly. And talking about that extension to the 12 episodes from 10 episodes, you know, that, that does allow a little bit more story for Gotham. It really does. Uh, and actually, this is, uh, this is something incredible to, for fans to think about. What it really came down to in timeline was, was the simple fact, and I really believe this is the case, if Fox had ordered 12 episodes at the outset, mm -hmm. I still think they would have killed me off in, in episode 503, and I think they would have used those additional episodes to flesh out and do more with telling the story of how Bruce becomes Batman, which is, of course, where they needed to focus. Mm -hmm. And it is just the crazy way that this worked out. Ten episodes were ordered. I was killed off. And then at the very last minute, those two extra episodes were ordered. That is really, I think, the only reason that we got Ventriloquist and Scarface. Because if the rest of the series hadn't already basically been in the can, mm -hmm. they would have used that time on, on the Batman plot directly. So it is kind of a miracle. Absolutely, yes. The miracle of television or the serendipity of television sometimes uh, yeah. where these things yeah, happen. Yeah, that, that no one could have predicted it would play out exactly this way. Mm -hmm. And if it played out any other way, Ventriloquist and Scarface wouldn't have made it on screen. It's amazing. absolutely amazing, isn't it? Um, you know, you see other shows, sometimes they come back after five years, you know, would that have been something that could have happened with Gotham? And if it did, would they have thought about including a brand new character in five years time? Probably not. Even if it was a small TV movie, would they have thought about doing that? Probably not. They would have caught up with some of the major characters. So as you say, what a, what a great moment and what a great alignment of the stars to bring Scarface to life on TV. It really is. Yeah, it's just such a pleasure seeing about screen. Um, let's talk a little bit about the aftermath, some of the reaction from people to the photographs that came out. First of all, the, the aftermath has been so amazing. Uh, again, the fan support has been above and beyond. I, you know, we didn't know that Fox was going to release those photos. Mm -hmm. So it came as sort of a shock to me when, when, when one fan, uh, you know, messaged me and sent me a photo. And I was, my first thought was, uh-oh. Because I remember back in shooting and there was a crew member who took a photo of me at some distance. Right. And I caught him out of the corner of my eye and I thought, oh, I hope that's not going to get leaked. Yeah. And uh, to that crew person's credit, of course, it did not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is very honorable. However, Fox then put out these photos and <laughs> I didn't know it. 
And so I was, I didn't know what to say to the fan and I went out to the Fox Flash website and I was like, oh, okay, I can talk about it now. Yeah, we were really surprised. I think it was about two o'clock in the morning when I saw it uh, pop into my, my feed uh, and I yeah. thought it was from um, a possible uh, trailer that was coming up and I thought someone had just done a screen capture and, and sent it out and yeah. then, yeah, they, they are the official, uh, officially released photographs from Fox. So really surprised, but at least they're such great quality and the reaction has, has been fantastic. They are. And, you know, it would have been fun either way. It would have been fun to just walk on there and really surprise fans mm-hmm. uh, who would not have known what was coming. Uh, but it was also, it's been such great fun to be chatting with the fans leading up to the airing of the episode and mm-hmm. to talk about how all of this came to be because it almost didn't. And again, this all comes down to if the fans hadn't told me about Ventriloquist, if I hadn't had the ongoing encouragement of the fans, yeah. you know, there's a lot to be said for the community that, that we have built up. And now I hope there'll be more and more. I mean, I love one of the fans saying, why can't there be a feature film? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us would be really happy to come back and do a, a you know, really kick butt feature film. Yes. Because look at how cinematic Gotham has always been. Absolutely. And they've always done the work in it. You know, we were we were talking about other things like uh, John Stevens is going off to make uh, Metropolis for the DC Universe uh, yes. show, which is the prequel to Superman arriving. So there could be some visitors popping over from uh, from the sister city of Gotham. You never know uh, as they start to build up storylines for that show. That's entirely possible. You know, um, there's there's so many opportunities out there. And I think more, the, the the love of the fans, as you can see, has has delivered has delivered over the years so much uh, for everybody. So. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, you know, it's a funny thing. Uh, We talked about this in the first episode, but when I had to take my leave in 503, Mm it really was hard. It was really heartbreaking. There were tears from a number of people. Uh, And and this time it was more like, yeah, this is this is what needed to happen. And it was so joyful. Mm -hmm. We were all like, what a gift that we got the chance to give this to fans. Yeah. And so, you know, I can't wait to watch the the rest of the season and see how this, there's only four more episodes, see how the rest of this plays out. I know some of it and I, I got to tell you some of the stuff that's coming like in, in uh, the next episode, which again was a bonus episode Mm -hmm. is going to make fans really happy, (laughs) really, really happy. Uh, And it made perfect sense to be, because that was the last episode shot. What's going to air as episode nine was actually the last episode we ever shot. Yes, directed by Aaron Richards and written by Ben McKenzie, I believe. Yes, it was Ben's episode and Aaron directed it and they knocked it out of the park again. Yeah. Uh, again, it's what's interesting to me is that with everything else that they've done, and I think they've accomplished such amazing stuff this season, packing it in. You know, Z's Ace Chemicals, not to mention 503. You know, everybody has been delivering at such an incredible level. Mm -hmm. They always have, but this year it's like, wow. Yeah. And you really have to take a step back and say, look at the artistry at every level of this project. And not only that, the love. Yes. Everybody is so into what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so the last episode to to be written by Ben and directed by Aaron just seemed perfect yes absolutely Absolutely. it really was the perfect onset closure for everybody yeah all i can say is i I spent a lot of time at the rap party thanking people Mm. (laughs) who who helped make this happen i finally met uh tony sepulveda the senior vp of casting at warner brothers who is the man who said yes to me yeah yeah 
And I'm so grateful to, to Tony Sepulveda, the senior VP of casting at Warner Brothers, who said yes to, to me, which is an amazing thing to do mm-hmm. and has changed my life. Danny Cannon directed three of my episodes and put Mr. Penn on screen for the first time. John Stevens, the first person to write Mr. Penn and who, you know, was the showrunner this year and said yes. Yeah. Tom and Scott, all the producers, they've been so amazing to me. The cast and the crew, you know, yeah. the, the costume folks, the props, the camera people, everybody. And, and yeah, Robin. Yeah. Because we had such a good time together. And geez, Louise, what a list of directors I got to work with. Mm-hmm. Ken, Danny, and Rob Bailey, and Mark Tonderai, and Nathan Hope, and Scott, and Nick Copas. I mean, every one of them added something to the to the story and to Mr. Penn. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got all these writers, Seth and Z, and, and, and everybody in the Gotham Writers Room. Geez, Louise, what <laughs> talent. You know, we may never see their like again all assembled for one such a spectacular project. And I, I think that everybody is very proud of the way this show is going out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and us as fans, we are all delighted. I think just having that, these final episodes to wrap everything up has just been such a special experience for all of us as fans. We're, we're blown away every week. And uh, this week was no exception. Yeah. Now, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope that it may be now that Ventriloquist and Scarface are out there. Maybe the comic cons will sit up and go, hey, because I want to meet fans. Mm -hmm. I want to get out there and travel and meet people. I have been hearing from people so much, uh, the incredible support on on all the social media. I want to meet these people. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they want to meet you. I I hope that's going to happen one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure they all want to meet you, as we we want to meet you face-to-face as well, of course. I know. Don't you think it's time, Derek? (laughs) (laughs) We need need to get back over to New York. That's all. Uh, Andrew, thank you once again for returning to Gotham TV Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with us uh, during this final season of the show, and such a pleasure to see you back on screen again. Uh, We told you how surprised and uh, and saddened we were at your loss back in 503, but I think... Yeah, this is exactly the right way to uh, to finish off your time on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been such a joy talking to you. And uh, you guys have been doing such an amazing job. I, I listen to every episode and I can't wish, wait to listen to the rest of your wrap ups. And we're just, you know, we're a lucky bunch. All mm-hmm. of us, everybody who, who made Gotham and everybody who enjoys Gotham, because together we have created an alternate universe that is going to last Exactly, exactly. What a nice way to end off our our discussion. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thank you. That was the excellent Andrew Sellen joining us for a second time. Uh, Thanks so much to Andrew again, and thank you so much uh, to our fellow Gothamites. Hope you enjoyed that interview and good kind of insight into the process behind Gotham and how, you know, things can come together to create something really interesting uh, for us as Gotham fans uh, in this final season. So thanks so much again to Andrew for his time, and thank you so much for listening. Bye. I'm David Mizzuz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Hey there. This is Andrew Sellen, Mr. Penn, and the Ventriloquist on Gotham. And this is Scarface, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Yeah, yeah. And you better keep listening, you hear?